Okay, we're in First John chapter 3, and um, we'll be reading verses 1 through 3 to begin with this afternoon. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the children of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the children of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. Shall we pray? Loving Father, we do thank you for these wonderful words of life to us, that Jesus Christ is truly our Lord and Savior, and that we are now the sons of God. I pray, Lord, that you will bless this message and you will encourage us by the Spirit of God that we may be edified in faith and in love. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as we look at this passage this afternoon, we find there is some very basic things that are being said, but they're most profound and most, most wonderful because they speak to the very... Um, idea and identification of who we are as being Christians. That God set forth his only begotten son because he had a great love for his creation. That is, those, those that he created in his image and his likeness, as we know in the book of Genesis, that man was created in the image and likeness of God. Uh, and so we find that uh, we are uniquely created above the animal creation. Uh, that though we love our little furry friends and uh, all those other creatures out there, uh, yet we find that God created us uh, quite a bit different uh, in that we have a relationship with God uh, through Jesus Christ our Lord. And uh, though we recognize the fall brought on a great uh, uh, problem as far as man's relationship to God, uh, God would bring uh, about a way that uh, redemption could be known and that the idea of salvation um, would be fully made possible through his only begotten son. And uh, as we think about that, perhaps, you know, you think of John 3.16 as the most key verse to that, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. And so we find uh, that eternal life was uh, made possible through Jesus Christ our Lord. Three areas we uh, will look at here this afternoon the love of God has made us a part of the family of God. Well, when we think about the family of God, it is something that each of us uh, are able to relate to because when we gather together as believers, uh, we are a part of the family of God. But not only just we, but all those who are believers in Christ Jesus are a part of the family of God, wherever they may be, and whatever culture or society they may be living in, as long as the gospel has changed their lives uh, and uh, awakened them 
to the truth of Jesus Christ, we know that that uh, relationship in the family of God is one which is very real. Um, and, you know, perhaps sometimes we have a little difficulty relating to uh, people in other parts of the world and thinking about them in the same way as we think about those that we know who are close and dear to us, but nonetheless they are still a part of the family of God. And um, if we had an opportunity to talk to them, uh, we would very soon recognize that they have a relationship with Christ the same as we do. And uh, it may even cause us to be somewhat ashamed um, because we might even find that some of them are much more zealous for the Lord than we are um, and that they would, uh, would very, very willingly uh, uh, give up their lives for their faith even as we would hope that we should as well. And so we find that the, the love of God has made us a part of, of the family of God. And it, of course uh, it is uh, that we are called children of God. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. The children of God. So we find that this is a very important uh, basic truth of our Christian faith and fellowship. Secondly, we shall be raised with an incorruptible body like unto Jesus. Well, I suppose as we read the second verse, uh, many things come to our attention and our thoughts. He says, Beloved, now are we the children of God. Well, verse 1 tells us that, that we are the children of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be. Um, we were not really fully there. You know, the world would say we haven't evolved. But uh, for us as Christians, we, we understand that uh, there is yet to be a transformation that will take place. And he says, But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. Now, um, I suppose, uh, I don't know about you, but I think that verse comes to my attention quite a bit, as much as it does to you. Um, and that we think about that. We will be like Jesus. Now, that doesn't mean we're going to become gods. It means we're going to have a similar resurrected body, even as Jesus had a resurrected body. Now remember, as he came into the world and he was the incarnate Son of God, he took upon him human flesh, and, uh, and so he took upon himself a human body, one that he dwelt in while he was here. Um, but we know that that body could die, and which it did. That is, uh, he suffered the, the sufferings of death and expired upon the cross, but he was not held captive to death because he is, was the Son of God. And so, uh, being the Son of God, uh, he was able, through the Father's plan and purposes, that he might resurrect, and so he did. And uh, Resurrection Sunday, uh, this particular time of the year, we, we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, so, he, though he had a natural body, um, he was raised incorruptible. We shall be raised incorruptible. 
we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Now I know that each of you are probably thinking right now, what is that actually going to be like? To be like Jesus. And um, I suppose the best answer we can say is, we're going to have to wait and find out. Because we're only given the ideal and the true principle and teaching of it. And so the practical reality of it awaits us. And this is a, a wonderful thing to think about. And of course, uh, we'll look at the companion passage here in 1 Corinthians 15. Thirdly, the believer's sanctification is in Christ. As you look at the third verse here, he says, And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. And so it says here, every man that hath this hope in him. Now, does that mean every, every person who has the hope of Christ in them? Or does that mean every person that has the hope of Christ in Christ? Well, that's an interesting thought. But um, in reality, uh, if we didn't have the hope of Christ in us, if we didn't know him, who is, the, who is the Christ, the Son of God, the one who is the Savior of the world, we could not have the hope of Christ in us. Uh, so I, I'm not sure that it is a big arguing point, except to say um, our true salvation is of the Lord. And uh, though we may look at this verse and talk about personal sanctification, the believer's sanctification is in Christ, we know that um, there, there is uh, the idea of progressive sanctification. You know, we, we are set apart and we are saved uh, when we come to faith in Christ. And so we know that uh, that personal sanctification which Christ has made possible in us is that personal salvation which he himself has enacted upon us in our very heart and life. The new birth. Uh, but then there is that idea of, of, of sanctification on a, on a daily basis. And uh, this is where sometimes we find ourselves failing and we don't feel as though we have fully arrived. And, well, even the Apostle Paul did not feel as though he had fully arrived while he was on the earth, um, that um, he had a ways to go yet. Um, and uh, the idea of, of course, uh, sanctification unto, unto full realization or glorification won't happen until we come, come to meet Christ. That is, we go to be with him. Um, so sanctification is on different levels here uh, in our thinking, in a relationship to our walk with God and something that we all have to uh, consider the believer's sanctification. Well, let us look at this a little bit more closely here. Uh, the verse begins with the word behold. Or we might say, well, consider this, or look at this. Um, the writer had just uh, told the readers in the previous chapter how to see the reality of the new birth and the, and the, and the and the just living or righteous living of or behavior of the Christian. And so now he uh, invites us to consider the greatness of this divine love that God has bestowed upon us. 
And so, um, how great is the love of the Father? Well, it is truly great. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the children of God. Now, um, we find that this is a very uh, important uh, designation to be called the child of God. And uh, sometimes the term is kind of thrown around kind of loosely, uh, especially in the world. Uh, you know, they like to say everybody's a child of God. And, but in this particular manner, we find the spiritual life and spiritual birth of the believer uh, brings us into the family of God, quite unlike <clears throat> uh, the fact that each of us owe our existence to God. Uh, certainly none of us on this planet would be here if God hadn't created man and woman. We find that um, this quite annuls any sense of evolution wherein man just suddenly appeared after millions or billions of years um, and then finally um, evolved into something uh, that we could call man. No, God didn't, God didn't create us that way. The Word of God doesn't tell us that. It tells us that we were created in the image of God and we were created male and female and that God uh, brought us into this world um, in a very special, for a very special reason that we might bring glory to Him. Who might glorify him. And, uh, and so to be a child of God means a spiritual birth here. To be a child of God. To be children of God, one has to be spiritually born. As in, we know that John chapter 3 indicates to us of, of the new birth in Christ. And uh, as we read the rest of this first verse, he says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the children of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Well, see, here we are. We are, we are, we are spiritually born into this world. We have a spiritual life. Uh, and the world, and we've talked uh, about the world in a previous message, indicating that uh, those of the world who were not born of God um, were a part of the world system, the worldly system, and um, just as they did not recognize Jesus, even his own people did not recognize Jesus, he came unto his own, and his own received him not, uh, John chapter 1, uh, but as many as did receive him, uh, they became known as children of God or sons of God. John 1.12. And so um, we find that uh, we hold no special, um, there is no special regard concerning us in the world. In fact, in most uh, cases, uh, the world uh, looks down upon Christians. Very little is said. You know, they, uh, this time of the year, they'll, <clears throat> they'll extol the virtue of the Easter Bunny, but they do not extol, extol the virtue of Christ's resurrection. And uh, I'm sure you have noted that in, in the news and in, the, in most of the literature and most communications. There is no, there, there is no lifting up of Jesus uh, and the resurrection. 
but there is there is plenty of um, recognition given to the Easter Bunny and the, and the Easter egg, um, <clears throat> which um, is not a very good very good testimony for the world when it considers uh, the amount of uh, of true blessing that has come to the world through the birth of Christ and the death and resurrection of our Savior. Uh, the gospel civilizes all, it moralizes many, and it saves a few. Civilizes all, moralizes many, and saves some. Those who will call upon the Lord are saved. But you see, the, uh, the blessing of the gospel of Christ, the common grace of Christ, extends to even civilized people. You know, the, you talk about the heathen and those who are ultimately lost and perhaps you, maybe you can think of a, a tribe in Africa or someplace which has historically been a, a very um, um, backward and heathen type people who know not the gospel. They usually have some kind of belief system but it usually is based on idols and demons and animism and various kinds of things that have to do with super, superstition uh, and so forth. Um, but given the, the preaching of the gospel of Christ, uh, man becomes civilized. Why? Because God gave a very important um, commandment, a code of commandments, if you will, the Ten Commandments. Um, and uh, those commandments, of course, uh, be, uh, form really um, the basis of law in any civilized country. Uh, when you look at the, the civilized code of, of countries, you will find that they follow pretty close to the idea of the Ten Commandments, especially those that have to do with man to man. Uh, certainly... Um, not too many countries I know of promote murder. Thou shalt not kill. Not too many countries I know of promote lying. Uh, to perjure is, is to commit a crime. Not too many countries I know promote theft. Uh, they look down upon the idea of, of thievery and stealing from other people. Uh, not too many countries promote um, uh, various kinds of immoralities such as uh, fornication and adultery and and various kinds of lasciviousness that go on in society and and prostitution and and the like um, they don't promote that kind of thing countries don't not not that follow any kind of civilized moral code you see what I mean so the preaching of the gospel of Christ has made this possible um, countries have been changed and people have been uh, made better for it. And so it civilizes people, it moralizes people, and, uh, and it saves people. The gospel saves people. See, here is the effect of the gospel of Christ in a common sense, a common grace sense. But then in the special area of grace, where God touches the hearts and lives of people, that they see their sin and they repent and turn unto the Savior, uh, they are saved. And, and so we find this, uh, this effect that uh, takes place. 
And behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. Therefore, the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. See, the world doesn't give any special recognition to Christians other than to saying they're a certain religious group. Uh, They might say the same of, of those who follow Buddhism or Hinduism or... Uh, the Islamic faith, or even the uh, the the idea of uh, of faith of those who are um, more Aboriginal in belief, and so they believe in nature and and various kinds of spirits and so forth and so on. Um, no, the world doesn't does not consider us to be uh, any better. In fact, in some cases, it's Uh, they looked down upon the Christian. They did not know the Lord Jesus and they do not know us. Um, They did not know the Lord because they did not recognize him as the true incarnate of God. And so they denied the deity of Christ. They do not know us because they do not know the new birth in us. They do not know of that new birth that has saved us and brought us into the family of God. And, and so this, uh, this, in this sense, we find um, that uh, though the love of God has been displayed, it is not recognized in the same manner to which uh, we are accustomed to knowing it. Secondly here, we shall, we shall be raised with an incorruptible body like unto Jesus, well, we've already referred to the second verse, but let's go to uh, the companion section, really, um, in Corinthians chapter 15. And, uh, of course, this passage here is uh, quite wonderful when we stop and think about it. I don't really want to take time to read the whole thing, but we'll, we'll begin by reading verses 43 and onward. Um, and uh, so as he talks about the resurrection of the body, says, It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. Therefore is a natural body. There is, there, there is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul, and the last Adam was made a life-giving spirit. So when we talk about the first Adam, well, that is, of course, the first man that was created, Adam. But the second Adam, the last Adam here, is referring to Christ. Um, and so the, the, the first Adam was made a living soul. That is, he was given life. Uh, God breathed into his nostrils, and he became a living soul. So God gave life to man, quite unlike the animal creation. Uh, God created the animals, but doesn't say anything about breathing into them uh, that life-giving soul. Uh, but we find that man was given this, this uh, unique Um, living capacity, life-giving capacity, that they would not only have a spirit, but a soul. And that soul uh, belongs to God. 
And Adam, uh, so Adam is, uh, was given a soul, a living soul. And the last Adam was made a life-giving spirit. Uh, so uh, in Christ, we find this life-giving spirit, uh, eternal life, if you will. And, and so Adam, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, brought into this world... Um, the means of eternal life to all who would believe. And uh, so he is that life-giving spirit, a spiritual life, a spiritual life. Through Adam, we have physical life, um, through the seed of Adam. But through the seed of Christ, we have a spiritual life. We're born of God. We're born into the family of God. So we shall be raised an incorruptible body. Let's continue reading here. Verse 47. The first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. So again, life-giving Christ, he is from heaven. He is from heaven. Verse 48. As is the earthy, such are they also that are earth. Were earthy, and as is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. Now, because we have been born of the Spirit of God, then we are heavenly. We are headed for heaven, um, and we not only have the natural spirit spirit life, but we have a spiritual life which has been imparted to us through Christ, and so we are made citizens of heaven, not just citizens of the earth. Verse 49, and as we have borne the image of earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Uh, so here again, the, the heavenly is stamped upon our life, stamped upon our soul. And so we bear the image of the heavenly. Uh, now I say, brother, in verse 50, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Uh, and so here is flesh and blood, corruption and incorruption, these two uh, opposites here. Um, and uh, we find that the flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. So just because one is born into the world, um, naturally you cannot inherit the kingdom of God. You have to be born of, of God, John chapter 3. You have to be born from above. And uh, we, are, we are, of course, uh, subject to corruption as long as we are upon the earth. Um, and we cannot inherit incorruption apart from the living Christ. God is going to make us different for sure. And, of course, um, just jumping back to verse 2 again. Beloved, now we are the children of God, and it doth not yet, yet appear what we shall be. You see, we're going to be taking on a spiritual life of incorruption. What we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we, we, this, this is the kind of the, the crux of the whole matter. When Christ returns... When he comes again, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. We shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. <clears throat> well, let's turn back to Corinthians again, and uh, 
draw the conclusion here from the rest of this uh, selection. Verse 51, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. We shall not all remain in the body, dead. He uses the word sleep for death here. But we shall be changed. You see, there is going to be a change take place. Um, In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible. See, here is the incorruption. We're going to take on, the corruption is going to take on incorruption, and we shall be changed. We shall become like Christ. We shall be like Christ. When we shall see him, we shall be like him. You see, uh, for this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. Now see, there is the difference between those who are the children of God and those who are not. Um, Right there, that we will receive this likeness of Christ in us, uh, quite unlike those who are in the world, who will be resurrected... Those dead who are outside of Christ will be resurrected, but not to newness of life. Uh, They will not be like Christ. They will be given a resurrected body and suffer eternal judgment because of their rejection of Christ. At verse 54, So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Now our victory is Christ. And so death will finally be subdued by victory, by the victory of Christ. Now we know that our victory is secure. Now, even now, it is secure. But in that day when Christ shall come, it will become a reality. It will become a full reality to us and we shall know the, the fullness of what it means there so when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall put on immortality then shall be brought to pass that saying the saying that is written death is swallowed up in victory O death where is thy sting O grave where is thy victory the sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law But thanks be to God who giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So if you will, verse 58 really is kind of like a a, a plea to sanctification. Continue in your sanctified life and that life which has been set apart by God though we are now subject to corruption in the body yet there will be a day of incorruption and full victory which we shall know in Christ well let's go back to 1st John chapter 3 and uh, continue here with the remainder of it the believer's sanctification is in Christ Uh, our sanctification is in Christ and um, I'm referred back here to verses 28 and 29 in the previous chapter. He says, And now, little children, abide in him, that when he shall appear, 
we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his, com- at his coming. So uh, we've been talking about his, his appearing. We find verse 2 mentions his appearing. Verse 28 mentions his appearing. Verse, 20, uh, verse 3 of, the, of chapter 3 uh, gives us this sense that as we live pure, we find that uh, we then are purified in him. Now, it's in Christ, of course. It's not in ourselves. We can't, we can't to somehow make ourselves righteous. But we can believe in and trust in he who is our righteousness, and that is Christ. Christ is our righteousness. And so as verse... Um, 28 says in the previous chapter here, and now little children abide, abide, remain in him, that when he shall appear we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If ye know that he is righteous, ye know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him. So here's kind of like a reflection. Uh, we, we know Christ is righteous. When we look into the life of Christ, we see the righteousness of Christ. And that is how we are to be. And in a, in a very real sense, um, personal sanctification is a reflection of the righteousness of Christ in us. Personal sanctification is a reflection of the righteousness of Christ in us. Now admittedly, we probably, each one would say, I'm not sure I'm reflecting Christ all that well. I've got a little bit more work to, to do. Or I need, to, I need to be much more conscious of this, this ideal, which, this spiritual ideal which is set forth for me in the scripture. I must be more conscious of it if I am to reflect the life of Christ in me. Christ in you, the hope of glory, in Colossians 1.27. And so we find that um, these truths are very wonderful truths. They're truths which we, we need to um, make real in our lives in a constant way. And they are a reminder to us of the Lord and what we shall receive um, in our body and in our spirit because of Christ. In our body because our bodies will be made incorruptible, even as Jesus' body was incorruptible. And remember, um, the two on the road to Emmaus did not know that Jesus was walking with them. Though he was there, uh, his body had changed significantly. His appearance was significant enough that they did not recognize him. And we find the same thing is true. Remember on the Sea of Galilee, uh, Jesus was on the shore. The disciples were out in the boat trying to catch some fish. And Jesus uh, instructed them from the shore to cast their boat, their net on the other side. Uh, they did not know that it was Jesus. But because they, um, they got this great horde of fishes in their net, uh, all of a sudden they said, It's the Lord! It's the Lord! <laughs> <laughs> they knew it was the Lord <laughs> then. <laughs> well, my point is this. 
You know, sometimes the world does not know us as we would have them to know us. But you, you, in each of these cases, these two cases I just cited, Jesus revealed himself to them. Jesus revealed himself to them. I think we have to ask Jesus to reveal ourselves, to reveal himself through us. We have to ask Jesus to do that. Because if we try to do it, we know we're going to not do so well. But if we have to ask the Lord to reveal himself through us and wait upon him to do it, it will happen. It will happen. And so, behold the Father's love. His love is truly, truly great toward us. Shall we pray? Loving Father, we do give praise and thanks to you, Lord. We thank you that you have so blessed us with the relationship that we have with you, that we are now called the children of God. We thank you, Father, that you have planned for us that we will be like Jesus, incorruptible bodies, a spiritual life of righteousness. We thank you, Father, that you have even told us that as we live this life of Christ, others will see it and they will also recognize, perhaps not right away, but they will recognize Jesus in us as we truly seek to live Christ. We know that is a work that only you can accomplish, Lord. You have to do that through us. And so, Father, give us that desire to see those things accomplished. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.